Kili Eletsa, Kerisimose, Emonate. Happy Christmas. Welcome, family, to our very first Christmas gathering. One of the amazing things that has happened this year is that with us establishing a digital platform, we are now able to celebrate Christmas together. In the past, many folks would perhaps be out of town, visiting family or friends or on vacation, and so it was kind of tricky to meet up in a, in a venue. But God is good, and He has made a way this Christmas. And so this means that I get the privilege of taking us through a devotion today as we celebrate Christmas in 2020. If we have not yet met, please afford me the opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Jono, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Rooted Fellowship under our lead pastor, Onimokatle, who is currently away on sabbatical. Over the past four weeks or so, we've been journeying through Advent, a time in the year, about four weeks before Christmas, where the church looks back and remembers the very first time that Jesus Christ came to earth in the form of a baby. And this year as a church, as we journeyed through our Advent in the Psalms series, we saw that Jesus came to earth some 2,000 years ago, and he brought with him light, hope, peace, and healing. And he brings us to a world filled with darkness, despair, chaos, and brokenness. Jesus came to a world in desperate need of a Savior, in desperate need of him. And so today we celebrate Jesus and his perfect birth, and the fact that through him, God made a way. He made a way for his created people to know him, to relationship with him, and to spend eternity with him. Now, you may be thinking as you track with me today, celebrate, Jono, after the year that we've gone through, celebrate, really? This year when I have felt so alone, this year when I've gone through the most, in all honesty, it feels like Christmas should be canceled at least this year of all years. But stay with me. Stay with me, because as the theologian Dietrich Boniface says, the celebration of Advent and Christmas is possible only, only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor in spirit and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. And so with that in mind, let's revisit that very first Christmas. Today, I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, and so you can follow along with me as we read from Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It's been Luke chapter 2 from the Christian Standard Bible, the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left him and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We praise you, O Lord, for sending your son Jesus into this world. You sent him as our savior who brings light, hope, peace, and healing. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience in coming to this world and reconciling us back to the Father through your saving work on the cross. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now guide me as I unpack this word. Would you please use it to bring even more of your light, more of your hope, more peace, and more healing to everyone who hears it. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. So family, what struck me as interesting about this text is that at first glance, it seems that the authorities and governments of the world are in complete control. They're in complete control. Follow again with me in verses 1 to 3. You'll see here that Luke very intentionally notes that in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. The Gospel writer Luke intentionally reminds us that at this time in history, Palestine was under the rule of the Roman Empire, who was ruled by a very powerful Roman king or emperor. And because of a decree or an order of the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, Joseph and Mary have to comply with this order and make a very inconvenient trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the city of David, because Joseph was a descendant of David, and Joseph has to go and pay taxes to the Roman government, along with a very, very pregnant Mary. And so as Luke records this, nothing about this sounds like anyone else other than the Roman emperor and empire is in control. And yet, because of this very decree or order, Jesus is now born in the very town prophesied about hundreds of years earlier in Micah 5 verse 2. Read with me. Micah 5 2 says, Bethlehem Ephrata, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. And this prophecy is not the only one. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies that the Messiah would be born in David's line. Family, sure, Rome made the decree, but that's only because that was, was just as God had intended it to be. 
Because of this very decree or order, Jesus is now born in the very town prophesied about hundreds of years earlier. Share a story about, about this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier. As a church leadership, we were going about making all sorts of plans. Aiming to do this many of that event, we'll do this many of this event. It was going to be 20 plenty, right? The diary was packed, jam-packed. Such good times lay ahead. And in a matter of weeks, in the middle of March, it all came screeching to a halt. Coronavirus, COVID-19, level five, hard lockdown. And perhaps you, along with me, started asking the question, Lord, are you really still in control? Are you in control of my life? Are you in control of my friends and my family's life? Are you in control of the world? I'm pretty sure that's, that's exactly what Mary and Joseph must have been asking as they made that highly inconvenient journey whilst Mary is that pregnant with none other than God's very own son. And so family, we may have been caught off guard by 2020 and the way that things have happened. Perhaps we still have not yet recovered from things. But God was not caught off guard, family, because he is sovereign. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. Everything that has happened this year, even though it has felt so far beyond our control, it's never, ever been beyond God's. And he's able to use all things for his purposes, for his glory, and ultimately for our good. But today I'm asking the question, as to who we believe is in complete control of this world. And do our words and actions reflect that this Christmas? Do we recognize and believe that God, our Father, sees us? That He is for us? That He is still on His throne no matter what? Or do our words and actions perhaps reflect a much, much smaller view of God? Then in verses 4 to 7, we read about Mary and Joseph's response to this decree. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So here we read about a very obedient and compliant Mary and Joseph. And then here comes their reward for their obedience. You ready? Read, read with me verse 6. While they were there, the time for her came to give birth. I remember hearing a pastor preach on this before and he said, and I'm sure the moms listening would agree with me. He said, at this stage, all Mary was probably thinking, praying, must have been, please Lord, just not now, anytime, just not now. But then verse 7. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and, he wrapped, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What is Joseph and Mary's reward for being obedient? Comfort and perfect timing, right? Nope. Discomfort and proper inconvenience. You see, often we think that obedience will always bring comfort and convenience, and if these things don't come our way, well, then we must be disobeying God, right? Or at least we must have misread his will. 
In fact, certain pastors make a huge living preaching that obedience will always lead to physical comforts and convenience. Often as Christians, when discomfort and inconvenience then come our way, we think maybe God made a mistake with us. But here we have it, friends and family, clear as day, that even the Son of God, born to earthly parents who were very obedient to God and the authorities of their day, even the Son of God was born into discomfort and inconvenience. Family, God did not soften the bumpy road to Bethlehem. God did not provide luxurious five-star accommodation for Mary and Joseph. But instead, he brings his very own son into the world in the humblest of surroundings. Not like the Christmas cards would have us believe. It was not cute or quaint, hipster-esque or rustic. As one commentator put it, this was not the atmosphere the Jews expected as the birthplace of their Messiah King. It was completely cramped and dirty. You see, family, when we do God's will, we are not guaranteed comfort and convenience. But we are promised that everything has meaning and purpose. And this means we should not limit God through our expectations. God is at work no matter what the circumstances no matter what your circumstances, no matter what my circumstances. Brothers and sisters, Jesus did not live a cushy, comfortable, and convenient life. He gave up heaven for this life. His disciples did not live a comfortable and convenient life. They gave up security and their lives. The Apostle Paul did not either. He gave up his reputation and his life. Mary's obedience results in discomfort and inconvenience. And why? Why? Because these are the very, very things that God can, can use to bring himself much, much glory. I pray that we take courage from this. Fellow believer, if your godly obedience is resulting in discomfort and inconvenience at this very moment, Christmas 2020, don't throw in the towel. God is not done with you. He wasn't done with Jesus in the manger. That was only the beginning. It was only the beginning. Then in verses 8 to 20, we then read about the announcement of Jesus' birth. Verse 8, in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Once again, perhaps you picked it up already, but God doesn't behave in a way that is expected. He reveals news about his long-awaited son to whom? Grand kings and queens, famous rulers? Nope, not at all. Humble shepherds in a field. Shepherds who are initially not strong and brave. They were originally terrified by the announcement, but then they become overjoyed. These humble shepherds go and visit the Messiah child, and then immediately afterwards, they are the very ones that God uses to go and spread the word about Jesus. They don't study first. They don't go to seminary. No three-week training course. They merely go and tell others the good news about what they know and what they saw. They were the very first missionaries, if you will, telling people the good news about Jesus. You see, the good news about Jesus comes to all. But family, often those most willing to grasp it and accept it are the humble, the plain, the modest, even the weak and the ordinary. Most of the nation of Israel was waiting for a powerful savior to deliver them from the Roman rule of the day. But instead, Jesus comes and establishes a spiritual kingdom that delivers his followers from sin and eternal death instead. His work on the cross in dying for our sins is far more reaching than any person could imagine. The humble baby born that first Christmas night went on to pay the price for sin and made a way for peace and relationship with God. Jesus offers us a way more, way more bigger truth and inheritance than temporal political changes or physical comforts. He gives us new hearts that last into eternity. And so family, as we commemorate Christmas this year, 2020, we can see that Bonhoeffer, the theologian, indeed had it right when he said that the celebration of Advent and Christmas is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor in spirit and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. This morning, are you troubled in soul? Are you poor in spirit and imperfect? And are you looking forward to something greater to come? Then the celebration of Advent and Christmas is for you and for me. As you listen to this message, you may not feel like God is in control. You may be experiencing the most inconvenient, uncomfortable, roughest time of your life. And it's not just been a while. It's been a season, truth be told. Or you may be feeling like you are too broken, too weak, too old, too young, too ordinary to be used by God. It's my prayer that you would look to Christmas this year as a reminder and an encouragement. Family, God is indeed sovereign. 
He is good. He is in control. He sees your pain. He sees your life. He sees you this morning. He loves you and he wants to use you. It is my prayer that you would, that, that God would be real for you today, that that truth would be real and that you would take much comfort in that. In Luke 2, we got to see a picture of Jesus' first arrival in this world. But, Christi- but Christmas is a time that also offers Christians the opportunity to look forward to the time when Jesus will, in fact, return again. And this second time, things will look rather different. In Revelation 19, 11 to 16, it says, Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, its rider called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is how Jesus will return, family. In many ways, it fills me with with awe, reverence, and fear, much like those shepherds. But as I reflect on the brokenness of this world, it fills me with much joy. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is good, and He's in control. He sees the injustices of this world, and He sees your pain. He's coming back. And he's calling you to draw near to him and to tell others about his goodness, his mercy, and his love. And so may we take that with us into this Christmas day and each day forward. Perhaps as you've listened to this, the Holy Spirit has done something in your heart. If you're listening and you feel that Jesus is calling you to put your faith and trust in him for the first time this Christmas, please do reach out to us on community at rootedfellowship.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you know and love Jesus today, I pray that as we have looked back to the first arrival of Jesus and to his eventual second arrival as well, I pray that his light, that his hope, his peace and healing truly has come to you today as you have listened to this message. And I pray that no matter what your circumstances, discomforts and inconveniences are, I pray that you have been encouraged. And I pray that that you would know that God is not done with you. That he sees you, he is for you, and he wants to use you as you put your faith and trust in him and humbly and obediently follow Jesus the Messiah King. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you with thanks and praise, giving you honor and glory for the fact that you sent your son Jesus into the world. We thank you that today is a time when we can celebrate that, that you made a way, O Holy Father, and that Jesus, you obediently came to this earth. We thank you, Lord, that you came as the humble king, unassuming, that you then lived a perfect, sinless life, 
died the death that should have been ours, made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father and to one another. You rose on the third day, Lord God, and then you ascended into heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you've sent us your Holy Spirit, which also equips us to know you and tell others. I pray this Christmas, Lord God, for your peace. I pray for your peace in our hearts, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that no matter what we're facing as, a, as an individual, as families, as a church, as a nation, as, a, as the globe, Lord God, that no matter what, that your truth this Christmas and the fact that you came would be known to so many. I pray, Lord God, that, that you would um, help us know that no matter what inconvenience or discomforts we face, that you are there with us, you see us, and Lord God, that you can use us to tell others about you. I pray for opportunities as we go out into this, this new year. I pray for opportunities to tell others about your good news, your gospel, your saving grace. I pray that your Holy Spirit would equip us today even as we engage with friends and family to be able to share your good news. And as we look to your second coming, may we experience your joy. Will you give us your hope? We thank you for your light, your peace, your healing, and your hope. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.